Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon all right zod the planet is going to absolute shit we've got volcanoes exploding every fucking day and the weather is going absolutely apey i believe that the planet is about to explode very soon and it's a good thing that I have had sex naturally for the first time in our planet's history in 400 years. Heresy! How could you do such a thing, Jor? Well, it was very easy, actually, since it's been so, so very long. I mean, for anybody, but it's been so long, I was done in three seconds. It was incredible. Laura got pregnant in two seconds, I think. The process alone, it's heresy, Jor. Just the act of- No, it, the process was easy. It was just a whole flood. The floodgates are open, as it were. I think that's just- I had a lot of- a lot of swimmers in there. I would never do such a thing. I would never take my fingernail and put it through a woman's ear to inject the sperm through there. Wait, could- It's heresy. Could, wait, wait, could you repeat that one more time? I said I would never take my fingernail, or maybe it's the toenail, and put it through a woman's ear, or maybe it's the nostril. I don't know. Either way, it's disgusting, Jor. It's disgusting. Were you- It's a painful process. Were you not ever taught the Kryptonian birds and bees in history class? I didn't take history class. I was bred to serve one purpose, and one purpose only, to protect Krypton. I didn't take school. I was just trained. You never had any kind of inkling for anything taboo? Not anything as disgusting as sexual intercourse. Well, it's not really that disgusting, mate. It seems like you don't know how how it works. I know how sex works. 
I'm a general of the Kryptonian army. You think I there's anything I don't know about? You put your winky in her wanky. I don't even know what that means. That doesn't even sound like real Kryptonian. It's in the codex. It says winky and wanky, page three. Well, maybe if you didn't put the codex in your son, I would be able to read and learn about sex. I didn't put anything in my son. Oh, yes, I did do that. But that's different. Um, <clears throat> so... You put your penis into the vagina. That's how it works, mate. You put the... Actually... There's no nostrils involved for most people. And there's no fingers necessarily either. The winky in the wanky. Penis in the vagina. Winky in the wanky. Well, since, since there's not much time left, I think that, you know, it's time to break some Kryptonian rules. Be a rebel. Feora. How about her? Don't be disgusting. Feora is my lieutenant. Nothing more. Though, she does look pretty good. I mean, the armor doesn't do anything for you, a woman in uniform. I haven't thought about it yet. Well... It's not part of my purpose. Well, you could go and uh, maybe, you know, forget the purpose for a moment and think about another purpose. And if, if she's into it, you know, could be good. So you're saying this is actually a pleasurable experience? Very pleasurable, mate. I just wish it lasted longer. But we did it more than one time, so it's okay. I don't really know which time got her pregnant, but... Anyway, my son's got freedom now. Because that's logic, mate. Uh, see what she says. You know, hopefully she doesn't burn you at the Kryptonian stake. You know what, Jor? The planet's ending, so what the hell. I'm pretty sure I got her number somewhere. Thanks, my friend. No problem. Maybe you'll loosen up a bit. Just remember, I'll give you the codex. Remember page three, the tale of the winky and the wanky explains everything. I was confused a bit at first myself, but there you go. Oh, actually, I've got it right here. Here you go. There it is. I don't give a fuck if it's sacred or not. The planet's ending soon anyway, so my son's going to live. No one else is going to live. Spoilers, but we're all dead. Feora. Yes? My winky and your wanky. What say you? Um, nope. And thanks to Cookie Noms for playing Feora in that sketch. You can follow her at Instagram at Cookie Noms, K-O-O-K-I-E-N-O-M-Z. Welcome, my friends, to Krypton as we finally dive into Man of Steel. We've been waiting for this for a long time. This is, as usual, <laughs> Ben. And with me in his uh, black Superman shirt is... Lord, 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 the time has come here today <laughs> to finally open up this can of worms. Are you ready, Internet, for this bullshit? <laughs> the, one of the most controversial, um, you know, superhero movies of all time. The beginning <laughs> of the Snyder fandom, in, in yes. earnest, really, starts here. It's Andrew. Uh, thanks for the intro, Ben. Yep, no problem. And as you guys have noticed, we have gone from the Christopher Reeve Superman, <laughs> skipped ahead to Snyder's and Henry Cavill's Man of Steel. Don't worry, we will be covering the other Christopher Reeve movies. We just decided with the Snyder Cut on its way, it's time for us to jump forward into the DCEU and really cover in depth the Zack Snyder superhero films, starting with Man of Steel. And yes, we will be going into... Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, yeah. and then the Snyder Cut when it comes out in March. Before, before all the major Snyder news, I, I, I talked with Ben and I was like, you know, we could do Superman 3 and 4, totally, but how about we just <laughs> skip to Man of Steel 
and yeah. just kind of get that out of the way. And he was like, yeah. you were like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then now with the Snyder Cut coming, I'm just like, all right, even let's just skip Superman 2. <laughs> yeah. We can always go back to Superman 2. Oh, I forgot we haven't go done that one yet. <laughs> God damn it. Yes, 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 yes. But, oh, well. Uh, so we decided here's our take on, on this because it's like, well, here's yet another discussion on Man of Steel. But I thought what would yeah. be interesting is that, well, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy before, when we covered it, it was very much about how accurate really was the Dark Knight trilogy and which did we prefer, the comics or Nolan's creative decisions. I decided to do a similar take, but not on Zack Snyder versus comics because he's it's very much based on the comics. But because of the nature of these films being very divisive, especially Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, we decided we would pit the movie of the Snyder's creative decisions now that we know a lot more in depth, we've taken some time to get to know more of the movie as well as uh, Snyder has his director's commentary on Vero up on YouTube. Uh, pit right. his original ideas up against the common criticisms and say, do we agree or do we disagree? So this is Man of Steel, Zack Snyder versus the critics, part Woo! one. It's <laughs> a fucking title fight here, pretty much. Yes. what it feels uh, like. Yeah, so we'll basically come to a part that was commonly criticized among fans, among critics, and then say, okay, here's what Snyder intended, and here's what the critics say. Where do we fall on that? And we're going to vote, and over the course of our entire coverage, we'll eventually tally it up and see what wins out for Man of Steel, at least. And we'll do the same for Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yes, so. sounds great. I'm excited, uh, but before we dive in, I thought I would uh, take some time to do a bit of corrections department on myself <laughs> on oh, Batman shit. Soul of the Dragon. It has not even been released yet, but when I re-listened to the uh, episode, I was like, oh, that's uh, that was kind of weird. I was I wrong. <laughs> so first off, I said David John Tolley and his uh, current wife, Bitsy Tulloch, met on the set of a show called Greed. Uh, the show is called Grim. I don't know why oh, I said Greed. I know uh, Grim, but I, I just didn't. I, I, there could be a show called Greed, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. So they, they met on Grim. Uh, I also said that the bouncer in the movie was based off of Robert Hall, where the actor's name was Robert Wall, who played <laughs> O'Hara in Enter the Dragon. You idiot. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> this will be my last episode. Oh, uh, man. Then, um, you're I said, you're, <laughs> I quit. I quit. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're on your own, Andrew. Um, <laughs> God and damn it. <laughs> it. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> you go back to a few episodes of this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I also said years later, they, they found out the O-sensei's wife was lost at sea. I met years earlier, the O-sensei's wife was lost at sea before he decided to join her at sea. Although I think in the context of it, you could probably get what I meant uh, in that. But that is... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, Soul of the Dragon, uh, me correcting my own fuck-ups before any of you guys get to that. So you heard it here first, guys. If if you guys have the comments on Soul of the Dragon, I have not seen them yet because we have not released it as of this recording, but we'll probably have comments that come in later on that we can address in future episodes. So Okay. That's cool with me. Uh, so back to Man of Steel. Okay. Uh, I thought that I would hand the baton over to you, Andrew, because I know that you wanted to share something about yeah. your experiences with this. Okay, so I've talked about this in other Superman episodes, but I'm going to do it a little bit more elabor elaborated this time around. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard some of this, but there's always a new listener. So, And there might come a day where I won't ever talk about this again. But, <laughs> but for right now, um, I did have a little thing about this. So 
as you can see here, I have my limited edition Man of Steel Blu-ray uh, set. I don't know what you call it, Blu-ray. Um, mm -hmm. It even has like the numbers here. Uh, there were only 50,000 made of this run. So um, even though I've been, you know, very opinionated about this movie in the past, especially during our Chris Reeve run, or, you know, when we talked about Superman 78, I had a lot to say about it. But this movie does hold a special place in my heart. Um, this was probably the movie that affected me the most and was actually mostly positive. I started working out a lot after even just seeing the trailer. I was working out like two hours a day. There was a gym right next to my work, so that helped a lot. I even bought yeah. Warby Parker glasses. Those, really? those were a kind of like tie-in to the movie at the time. Cavill mm -hmm. does wear Warby Parkers. I didn't get the ca actual Cavill model, but I did try them on. Um, uh. But they just didn't fit my face. So right. I got something else, but they were Warby Parker. So there was just something about this trailer. Before I even saw the movie, of course, I see mm -hmm. the trailer. And there's something about the trailer that really did it for me. People talk about how good Trailer 3 was for this movie in particular. Um, mm -hmm. I would have to agree. I had started making all these changes to my life and whatever um, before I even saw the movie. The trailer alone was powerful enough for me at that time. Mm -hmm. Mark Wade talks about how seeing Superman 78 in the theater changed his life for the better. Even though Man of Steel and Superman 78 are totally different movies, I still feel like I had something happened to me when watching the trailers and, and finally the movie that was similar to what happened to Mark Wade. And I think that's kind of a testament to Superman himself, not not just the movies in particular, but there's just something about that character that really affects people. Mm -hmm. um, I had not grown up watching a lot of Superman stuff, actually. Um, how this movie and Superman affected me took me totally by surprise. I wasn't expecting this reaction at all. Um, I have no nostalgia really for Superman. Um, I didn't, I think I only saw clips of the Reeves one growing up. Um, I don't think I really saw it in earnest until just before we started talking about it on the podcast, like actually sat down and watched it. Um, mm -hmm. so, and I didn't watch the animated show in the nineties. So it's weird. It's he, Superman kind of became this hero for me as an adult, not something I'm nostalgic about from the past. So that's different for me. And um, like I've said in many other episodes here on the show, I was taken aback by the trailer. Not only did I buy a lot more Superman shirts, I went to Reddit and found out about the top Superman runs of all time and read almost all of them listed there on R Superman. I've taken a lot of time thinking about why that movie affected me so much um, at that time. And I basically come to this conclusion. I had been an atheist for almost 10 years at that point. And I know it sounds strange, but I felt a sense of the grand that I hadn't felt since I'd been in church, really. Uh, mm. I'd, I actually appreciated the fact that I could follow some of these ideals and get a kind of similar feeling without all the religion. It would still feel basically the same, even knowing Superman isn't real. I was also at some of like one of the poorest times in my life, and I was just kind of having a rough go of it in L.A., and um, that was probably a factor as, w as well. When the movie did come out, I really did like it a lot. I ha it had its problems, but I, I didn't notice some of them at first. I was too emotionally involved. I was horrified to come back home after 
the movie to see that it had gotten only a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. I couldn't believe it. I had never actually even thought about city destruction before in comic book movies like that. Um, so it just wasn't something I actually considered um, at the time. I know that sounds weird, but um, I know many of you out there, are, you know, judging movies like that is probably second nature to you, but I just hadn't thought about it at that time. Now we are several years after the fact. It is a movie I still defend from time to time, even though I too make fun of it at times, as you all well know. Um, it depends on the issue, actually, um, how I defend it, what they're talking about. But anyway, I think that even though there are many people that don't like Man of Steel or even Superman, I guess I just wanted people to know that there are fans out there like me. And if there's anyone else out there uh, like me, I guess, I hope you find this video well. Thank you. So that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, I kind of feel at sometimes, and I'm glad that we're doing this, I kind of feel sort of uh, underrepresented by what is usually on the internet. You usually see two camps. Right? Yeah. You usually see the hardcore Zack Snyder, release the Snyder Cut movement lovers, and you see the haters who are just like, Zack Snyder can't direct shit, there's no emotion and all that. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm yeah. very much in between where I'm like, you know, I, I admit we were not originally part of the original uh, release the Snyder Cut movement before. Yeah. And that was before all the news leaked out about what really happened with Joss Whedon, how much Snyder's stuff was actually going to be, all the different characters were cut. That was way beforehand right. when that first started coming out. When it was very first coming out, I was like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Because uh, from my perspective, I know Zack Snyder is through and through. He's a comic book guy. Yeah. And there's a lot of comic book influences in this, and, and that's undeniable. It's completely undeniable. He's, yeah. you know, 300 was a straight adaptation. Watchmen, I actually enjoyed uh, yeah. as a Watchmen fan. And I think when it comes to the DC movies with Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, he has a lot of fantastic ideas. And some of them I appreciate more than others, and others I'm just like, I get where you're going with it, but I don't think it was executed as well as it could have been or should have been in order for everyone else to sort of either get it or get the same emotional effect that he was going for. Right, right. So for me, I'm very much in between, which is kind of why we're doing this, where I want to say like, hey, I actually like this part, or hey, I agree with the critics on this other part, because I, I feel like it's there's not a lot of room, especially these guys, it feels like, in the fandom for somebody to be just fair and trying to be unbiased, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the Snyder fans categorize the Man of Steel critics as people who just wanted the Donner Superman all over again. And I know for a fact I didn't want that because I had already seen Superman the movie several times at that point. I didn't need to see another version of it. In fact, that was one of my main problems with Superman Returns in general was like yeah. it was just another – it was Superman the movie remade pretty much. It's um, weird too because I – it might have been just timing in my life, but I saw Superman Returns in the theater obviously and I mm -hmm. liked it enough at the time. I don't hate it as much as the internet seems to, but – it maybe it's just timing for me, but Man of Steel mm -hmm. just really affected me. It, yeah, you know, it just—I don't know what it was, man. Really, it, you know, other than the stuff I already talked about. Right. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, there's something that comes along where that happens. I think for yeah. you, it was Man of Steel. For me, it was probably the you know the Batman Begins or Dark Knight or both. You know. Um, yeah. And those affected you too. I know. Yeah, uh, they did. Dark Knight. They did. Um, yeah. 
for for me, I had wanted something that was closer to uh, Birthright. If you know Mark Wade's Birthright, if Snyder had just done a straight adaptation of that, I would have loved it uh, even more. Uh, ironically, I think Man of Steel actually lifts a lot from Richard Donner that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, not necessarily in a ripoff way, but more of just like, hey, like everybody's like, you know, Man of Steel gets criticized because it's not Richard Donner. I'm like, well, there's actually a lot of Richard Donner Superman in this It's hard already. to get he away built, from it. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to get away from it. And he still builds off of that. But for me, it had nothing to do with whether or not he was like the Christopher Reeve Superman or if it was like the 1978 movie. Right. I also think during this time, Man of Steel kind of has this expectation uh, that it doesn't quite live up to, which is to completely reinvigorate Superman in the public mind. You know, because... Yeah. If you think about it, Batman Begins and Dark Knight did this huge thing where it went from like, oh, look at these silly Batman movies from the Joel Schumacher era. They're just, you know, these popcorn fluff and they actually turn it around. And now Batman is like, is a hugely popular character because of what Chris Nolan did and because of the fact that it, it meant that Batman equals quality, quality movies. Right. Uh, depending on, you know, regardless of your own opinion of how well those were executed, you can't deny that it was a huge cultural phenomenon for the Batman character and for superhero movies. Yeah. And I feel like Man of Steel kind of went in with this pressure of you have to do the same thing for Superman. You have to change the perceptions of Superman as being too powerful and too boring. And They hate him Returns. I mean, Returns was shit on. Yeah. Left yeah, and right. Returns with shit on, and I feel like this movie overcompensates for the big criticism of it, Superman Returns. It does. It does. Where it's just like Superman Returns, he doesn't throw a punch, so we're going to have a whole hour of him throwing punches. Have like, you seen Dragon okay. Ball Z, motherfucker? <laughs> Get ready. Uh, but to me, <laughs> from what I saw of the you know the audience's perception, I don't think Man of Steel really changed people's perception of Superman the way that Dark Knight changed people's perception of Batman, and that's unfortunate. However. If you remove yeah. that pressure from this movie, what you have is just a decent Superman movie adaptation. If you remove that expectation from it, there's, you know, I don't think, personally, I don't think there's anything super new or groundbreaking that Snyder does with the characters or the mythos in this one. In this, you know, unlike what Nolan did with Batman or what Donner did with the character in, in 78, where like they made lasting changes that carried over into like later adaptations or later comics um but when you remove that pressure what you've got is is a superman movie that sets out to just kind of retell its own take on the origin have a few cool sci-fi ideas uh yep. thrown in there yep. and it's kind of like a nice combination of batman begins and superman the movie and a few superman comics that i'll comment on where uh they were directly drawing from it so uh, I think I appreciate the movie more than I did in 2013, but I don't think I was ever an outright hater yeah, uh, yeah. of it. I do feel that Snyder and Cavill's Superman, uh, there's still sort of a disconnect that I feel with him in terms of, for me personally, I, I always felt like I, I wish there was a little bit more of, not necessarily him as an outcast, because that is portrayed there but once he gets the suit on I, I want to find other ways to care about him I, I feel like some ways I didn't always really care about what happens to Superman it was almost expected that I care about Superman because he's Superman uh, sort of thing as opposed to what other comics or other adaptations had done you know like one of the big reasons why Smallville was such a big popular uh, you know adaptation of Superman in the minds of like, our generation is is the fact that they made you care about Clark Kent as a character. He didn't right. have the Superman suit at the time. He had powers, but you what you saw was basically a 
a guy who was going through normal adolescent shit, but had superpowers on top of that. And I've, I've heard so many people being like, oh, like I didn't realize being Superman would be like that. And I was like, okay, that's awesome that Smallville did that for you. That's good. I kind of wish that Man of Steel did the same for others. And if it did for you among the audience members, then that's great. But for me personally, I was like, eh, like this is kind of... If you read a lot of comics with Superman's origin or read a lot of comics of him versus the Phantom Zone villains, this is kind of just par for the course, paint by numbers a little bit. I know Snyder fans will kill me for saying that, but it is kind of like... There's there's not as many major alterations to it as opposed to if you look at the Dark Knight trilogy where like Lucius Fox is now such a big part of Batman's journey or Russell right. Gould being part of Batman's journey or the way they reimagined Joker, you know? Like, as much as I think Michael Shannon is good as Zod, he doesn't quite get into territory of completely surpassing the iconography of the Terrence Stamp Zod as opposed to... Heath Ledger kind of just cleaned the mop the floor with Jack Nicholson's Joker in terms yeah. of in terms of pop culture, you know. That's regardless of your opinion of which Joker was better, but in terms of popular culture, Heath Ledger's suddenly rose to the top just that's from true. that reimagining. That's but again, true. as I said, that's that's if you put that pressure on it to be at that level, as opposed to just taking it where it is, where it's just like it's a good Michael Shannon performance with Zod written pretty decently. Uh, as a more morally ambiguous character than he was in the Terrence Stamp Superman the movie and Superman 2. So, anyway, those there's are my kind of rambling thoughts on it. Yeah, that's good. There's something about the... People have said this before, too. Uh, the jump from with, with Batman was essentially from 66 to 89 was mm-hmm. obviously totally different, but... Uh, it went it went darker, obviously, but that works for Batman. And I think it's so difficult. They went from basically Reeve, because Superman Returns is basically Reeve over right. again. Yeah. From Reeve to Man of Steel, and it does go darker, like a lot darker in certain parts, obviously. And it's it's just not exactly the right turn, but I, I know we'll get there, but it's just, right. you know... Culturally, we just we just couldn't accept it, I, you know, in a lot of ways. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, we'll we'll get into it. I, I'm sure. But yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start with the opening. Let's just go through the movie then, in terms of different uh, comic book connections, in terms of different trivia. Uh, there's not a lot, I don't think, of that was criticized of Krypton for us to go over right at the beginning. Uh, However, for me, I've always kind of felt this way, and and longtime listeners and those on our Patreon know this, but um, I I'm not a fan of of spending twenty to thirty minutes on Krypton at the beginning wanna, of every. You want to get story. right in. You want to get right into uh, Smallville. And, and here's yeah, part of it is like I saw this in the opening episode of Superman the animated series. It's the first twenty minutes of Superman the movie. It's in the beginning of the George Reeves show. It's in the beginning of the Kirk Allen serial. It's the first episode of the radio series. Like it's like a. Three, it's been done so three, many times. Three part episode in the animated one, right? It's kind of long. Yeah, but yeah, but part one is the uh, is Krypton. Like it's, it's all twenty to twenty five to thirty yeah, minutes it's, it's, of the first they, episode. They I'm like, spend really? their time on Krypton in the animated show. I've yeah. I've gone back and watched it since Man of Steel, so yeah. I know about it now. And it's yeah, I was surprised how long they. They stayed there. Okay, so yeah. I, I differ from Ben here, uh, <laughs> yes. dear dear listener. Um, yes. I 
like Krypton. I agree. I mean, they don't need to stay there forever. You're there for Superman. You're not there for Krypton. That's. I mean, they tried to right. make that show on Sci-Fi Channel, which is, you know, fine, whatever. But, um, so Z- Snyder's handling of this, to me, is one of the strongest in his deck of cards, kinda, because he says in some of his interviews that he based the look a lot on Heavy Metal magazine, uh, and I can see that. Uh, I kind of appreciate that. I don't really need this introduction of the Codex. Uh, this is <laughs> yeah, that, one of the major it. additions to Superman mythos can be found right here uh, with Man of Steel. This, I, I think, did not right. really exist as far as I know. Is it? No, it, it didn't. But is it a major contribution? Because I've never seen this carried over in anything after this. I just kind of feel like it's unique to Man of Steel, and then like everyone was like, "Okay, that's kind of cool for this I, movie." But I want them to you know? forget it. But it is. <laughs> it became. It became a. You know, it's. It's a Superman movie. It's an installment in his mythos. In his mythos, essentially, we have to yeah. talk about it. So the the Codex thing is added by Goyer, I think, and there and and you know one of the things that they were trying to do is make this more sci-fi. Superman is an alien. He comes in a spaceship. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this kind of shit. People always think Apple Pie, Boy Scout, Superman. But this is kind of what I liked about Man of Steel a little bit was this sci-fi take on it. They talk about um, uh, the day the Earth stood still. Um, mm-hmm. Famous, uh, you know, old black and white, uh, you know, sci-fi movie. That was an influence apparently on Goyer at least. And mm-hmm. But anyway, I think, yeah, maybe they stay in there too long. But I did, <laughs> I did like Krypton ultimately here i don't know i i, I just did, i just yeah. enjoyed it i think there's some good scenes with with um with with crow and with with shannon i mean i will find him and all that it's it's you know i don't know i was a yes. fan it is yeah, it is yeah. exists I, just to I, blow up i get it it yes yeah so that that's my thing so my my take on it and this this applies to all the other superman adaptations not just man of steel for those wondering like what do you like if, if there's any reason why i might critique this more than the previous ones is because the previous ones didn't weren't like the kirk allen serial i can't blame it for starting with krypton because it was the first exposure to this character and yeah. to what krypton was yeah. at the time but when we get to 2013 and we've seen this over and over again i'm just like you know, everybody complains about how the Wayne murders is yeah. done over and over again, but how often do you see that at the beginning of a Batman movie? Pretty much Batman Begins and Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Every other time, it's just a little flashback every now and then. But That is true. Imagine if it spent 20 minutes every Batman movie with Thomas Wayne and Martha and Alfred, and then they get shot 20 minutes in. Like, I'm sure that would be more, you know. But, but the thing is, at least at that point, you would get young Bruce and his relationship with his parents. My problem with spending so much time on Krypton uh, versus Bruce with his parents is that Clark isn't really a character. He's just a prop at this point. He's a he's a baby. He's not. <laughs> they show the nobody. You see his yeah yeah exactly like. It, <laughs> <laughs> this is something Kevin Smith brought up, but they show they show the baby yeah. in both. This is a Donner. This is Donner connection. First the first Donner, Donner first connection. connection is this kid's peepee. So yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jeff Johns' Secret Origin, J. Michael Straczynski's Earth One, uh, Smallville, like none of these started on Krypton. I, I like I like Superman stories that start with Clark growing up in Smallville because that's starting with the main character. Yeah, this is in my opinion. And also from a story perspective, especially in this one, Jor-El ends up telling him everything that happens in the first 20 minutes 
late, you know, when when they meet up, he talks about Zod. He talks about the fact that Krypton blew up and all those things. Like, don't you want to see Russell Crowe swim through that bullshit to grab I'm, the code? I would actually. Thingy? <laughs> I would actually be curious. jumping on goddamn future <laughs> animals and shit. I I just feel like we could have started at a different point than what Richard Donner did, and I think it would have been more interesting seeing all that stuff. Have the same footage, but if somebody were to recut this and put it later when Jor-El's telling it to 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 Clark, it's the positioning. Then, the positioning you don't like. Part of it in the beginning the you don't like. Yeah, part of it's the positioning because then I'm just like, yeah, but Jor-El tells him all this stuff later, and Clark has to learn about it because he's our main character. But what if you just put all that later on? Then we learn it along of Clark. Which means in the beginning, Clark's origins is a mystery to him and to us if we haven't seen a Superman movie before. And he learns about his Kryptonian heritage while we, the audience, learn about it as opposed to us being ahead of him the whole fucking time like we were in all the other adaptations that I talked about. I see. So that's good. It would have been. Yeah. So that to me, that would have been a better start. But, you know, again, this is not something that was often criticized. This was just my personal thing. And it it has uh, more to do with the the standard structure, the Superman origin than than this movie specific uh, execution of it. So, right. one thing that is unique to this movie, though, is that Kal-El is the first natural birth in centuries on Krypton. That's also means, new, right? Yes, as yes, a new addition. Jor-El and Lara are the first Kryptonians in generations to actually fuck. So, <laughs> congratulations to them. <laughs> I don't know why all that was added. I mean, I, I mean, maybe you dug up something about Goyer and their intentions, well, but that I was... I think the biggest thing to me thematically that came across was the idea that Krypton is structured as a society where you are engineered to serve a certain purpose. So General Zod, you know, he's like, I have one purpose only. You know, he's mainly to be a general. And that's Jor-El's been purpose in is there. to be a scientist. That, I think that the highly structured Kryptonian society sort of been in kind comics, of, but not the, maybe not, not the not, genetic shit. Not, not, the, not, not the, to the genetic little level so what was important was the idea then thematically to be like he's the first natural birth which means he's free to do whatever he wants he superman in this movie is the embodiment of freedom of choice which i think is pretty cool because of the fact that it it means that he you know snyder kind of did the anti-chosen one destiny thing when it came to clark in this version it was because it could have easily been like you know there's a prophecy about like the son who's the last son of krypton and instead he went the opposite way to be like no he's is the only natural birth on this planet. He can do whatever he wants, and it's up to him to choose to fight for humanity still. And it's not something that's in his genetics. It's just something that he chooses to do based off of his upbringing from his Earth parents. And I think that's an awesome way to sort of convey the power of Clark's choice to be Superman on it. it I, I it, like that. It's kind of complex to, I, for them to set that up because there's a lot of sci-fi elements for them to pull it off. But when, Yeah, I don't feel like they really, yeah. they don't revisit it ever though, but I guess it's sort of under the surface uh, yeah. for the whole thing. Yeah, I mean he is, Jor-El does talk about like, you know, he's the first one with the freedom of choice, you know, and, and, and all that. And, you know, he talks about what if a child dreamed of being yeah. something more than what he was intended. And that sort of crosses over into our society where it's like, well, you know, there's society's expectations of you, but there's also like your own dreams and passions and stuff. So I think that's that was a way to make it relatable. Could they have made it even more relatable or or stronger? Uh, I agree with you on that. They probably could have, but I think it is there's enough of it in the movie that I appreciate 
that aspect of it. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> this element also may have been inspired by the John Byrne post-crisis revamp of Superman, also called Man of Steel, where he yeah. sort of introduced a more sterile Krypton, and in the comic, Jor-El removes Kal-El from this, these like gestation chambers in order to put him into the rocket. Um, uh, so, so that's, that's cool. That's kind of what the movie's drawing off of in that scene where he removes the codex from this area full of just fetuses. Yeah. Uh, so I guess in John Byrne's version of Krypton, there was this whole area full of fetuses that he had to rescue Kal-El from just to put him into the rocket. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so as we noted, Russell Crowe plays Jor-El. Uh, he's the Jor-El who fucks, literally. Uh, <laughs> and, um, Did Marv Wolfman write him? <laughs> <laughs> Laura is uh, played by actress. Um, I might butcher the pronunciation. I I I let Zurer. Um, she apparently was not the original choice, though. Originally cast was a was an actress named Julia Ormond, who had to drop off drop out for reasons unknown. But then one of the other actresses who was offered was Connie Nielsen, who plays Hippolyta in oh, wow. uh, Wonder Woman. So she okay. almost could have been the mother of Superman instead of Wonder Woman. Um, wow. This was out of a leaked production sheet that had her name on it, as well as Harry Lennox, who plays General Swanwick, and that was leaked out before Lennox's casting was even announced. So it seems like that's probably legitimate. Uh, this would have been a reunion for Gladiator fans since Connie Nielsen was co-starring with Russell Crowe in that movie. Mm, so we had both right. Superman's dad and Wonder Woman's mom in the same movie with the Joker himself, Joaquin Phoenix. So there's a lot of right. people in that. And Dijimin Hansu, who's in, like, Aquaman, Shazam, yeah. and what else was he in? He was in a Marvel thing. Well, yeah, he was in Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in a whole bunch of shit. Amistad? So, yeah. Let us not um, forget. <laughs> Very important comic book movie, Amistad. <laughs> yeah, he's in a lot of comic book shit, though. He, he, he loves yeah, it. Yeah. 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 No, he's awesome. Uh, Laura does have a bigger and better role here than she does in Superman the movie. Uh, however, it's yeah. still somewhat Jor-El centric in having, you know, we still have the Jor-El AI like we did with Marlon Brando. She presses the button though, right? She's the one that actually does the launch. I think so. Sequence. I, I think, think she so. has more agency than, than usual. She's a little something. more. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. still is a little more. It's still more than what poor Susanna York yeah. <laughs> wanted in Superman the movie, where she was just like, "What do I get to say?" And Mankiewicz was just like, "Look, if we're paying you millions of dollars, you get to say what you want," <laughs> with uh, Marlon Brando. So. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, that was kind of due to uh, who the star was among the uh, couple playing him. Uh, right. So one interesting tidbit is that Zack Snyder wanted this element of animals on Krypton taking notice when Clark was born. There's an element he that wanted where... That is so weird. The house of L is connected to nature on the planet they're on, which is why Jor-El has, has that whole connection with the dragon. That's kind of like Avatar. And Clark is sort of connected to the earth when he's in the water and you see the whales around him there's this whole thing that Snyder talks about so it, it feels to me a little Lion King-ish a little circle of life <laughs> and in moons of song but so why, it's like, why okay. have the animal th- I don't know man let's just I don't know not generally Superman's thing it's an interesting idea I don't know if it's really necessary but it is it is fun to you know look at the Vero comments that Snyder makes as well as the commentary and see what what his intentions are right um as covered in andrew and wolfie's interview with christine chair they did try to create a kryptonian language for the actors to speak which would have had subtitles in the opening and apparently russell crowe did do a scene where he spoke kryptonian we broke However, this story i think i think ah. i don't think anybody 
uh, had talked about this at all. I mean, right. we interviewed her uh, way like, back, way yeah. way back, but years after Man of Steel. So by the time we broke it, it wasn't that big of a deal because it was a movie that was years old, yeah. you know, at that point anyway. So, and um, I don't think Snyder had confirmed it yet because Snyder does confirm this in the commentary that he did in 2020, but that's like after the interview sort of thing. So um, <clears throat> they did opt for English, obviously, despite creating the language because uh, Snyder said, according to his commentary, that he felt like it wouldn't be, make it immersive enough into the Kryptonian world if you had to be reading subtitles as opposed to if you just understood what they were saying in the first place. So, Right. Uh, yeah, she said she based <clears throat> Kryptonian on, um, I forget the tribe's name, but it's, I think, forgive me if I use the wrong terminology, but um, Native American Canadian tribes, Native Canadian tribes. She's that Canadian. So, ah, and I, rem- I believe uh, it is a verb first language. There's my first miserable detail. <laughs> verb first. So like in, uh-huh. in English, it's S V O. I am going to the movies, the verbs in the middle, but some, mm-hmm. some languages like Gaelic and Kryptonian are going I to the movies. And I think Hawaiian also it's V S O <laughs> verb, subject, object, Krypto, uh, Klingon is O S V no O V S completely opposite, opposite of English and some Amazonian languages actually are like that but it is the least naturally occurring so hmm. there's my first one ben <laughs> <laughs> well thank you thank you yeah. yeah and you guys can check out the interview with dr christine schreyer it is the first if you guys are on our youtube you can check out it's the first deep dive that we have on our superman uh playlist secrets of krypton that's true the superman deep dive so you guys can check that out there for the full breakdown of the kryptonian language that didn't make in uh, but uh, this would have happened, I guess, in the scene where Jor-El is warning the Kryptonian Council about the imminent destruction of Krypton, as we've seen in other versions of this. Uh, the Snyder, Snyder said that the Kryptonian Council, the designs of it were sort of based off of Art Nouveau, as well as uh, the original plan of the apes, uh, kind of in terms of the look. So okay. that's interesting. Um, also, Jor-El notably has the S-Shield as a Kryptonian crest, which is a, another carryover from the Donner films, as we talked about in the Superman, the movie deep dive, that was an idea from screenwriter Tom Mankiewicz. So right. we've seen Jor-El basically wear the S shield ever since Marlon Brando. And a lot of the different TV Jor-Els have done the same. I um, think that's just since, since <coughs> Donner, that's probably just, that's the new that's standard. Just part yeah. of it. Yeah. Part of it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, we do however get a bit of a twist on this usual council scene when Zod comes in and kills one of the council members. So, uh, General Zod trying to take over the Kryptonian Council is actually pretty true to the comics down to his very first comic book appearance in Action Comics 283 in a story called The Phantom Superboy where Superboy, who's the young Clark, young Superman, uh, sort of sees a projector that shows Kryptonian history and one of those things is Zod trying to take over Krypton. So that's been there from the beginning. Okay. Uh, and this is also mentioned in Superman the movie and you get to see it in the theatrical cut of Superman 2. Uh, though usually his, his insurrection is usually not right before Krypton is exploding that very day, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the timing. Uh, oh well, the time. Um, but here's another interesting thing: the Richard Donner influence isn't just with you know seeing the baby's pee-pee. It's not just with <laughs> seeing the S shield, but it's also with a little bit of what happened to Zod here outside of just sending him to the Phantom Zone. 
he Richard Donner co-wrote comics with Jeff Johns uh, right. in the 2000s or so. And one of those was Action Comics, annual number 10, art by Rags Morales and inks by Mark Farmer, where Zod and company actually side with Jor-El on the fact that the planet is about to explode. However, they have different ideas on how to, you know what to do about it, as they do in the movie. And like in the movie, Zod kills the Kryptonian council members. Um, there's also a scene in that comic where Zod storms into Jor-El and Lara's chambers to place them under arrest for, quote-unquote, heresy, which is what <laughs> Shannon says later on. So Shannon is great in this movie, man. He is. He's, he's great. A, he's an underrated gem, I think. I, I think Michael Shannon is also the first American actor to play Zod because we got Could Terrence be. Stamp, uh, who's British, and then, uh, let's see, later on, on on TV, I mean... They did have Zod take over Lex Luthor's body in Smallville, but that's uh, that's that doesn't really count. When they actually did introduce Zod, he was played by a British actor named Caleb Blue in Smallville. And then uh, other... I think there's like maybe a Canadian actor who played Zod in Supergirl for a bit, but that was just... Uh, that was after Man of Steel. So okay. that makes Shannon the first non-Brit to play Zod. And I think they... You know, if you want to diverge from the Terrence Stamp model... I think Shannon's a great choice for that. He's great in this movie. Casting is pretty much great in this movie, I think. But yeah, I, agree. Uh, I, I think um, so. Just I want to give a shout out to a little known movie real quick. Uh, the first time I ever saw Michael Shannon was in a very small movie called Shotgun Stories, hmm. in which he is a brother of like three brothers, and his dad um, le- leaves them and has a family with uh, another woman and raises them well like it's th- it's basically three s- sets of bro- two two sets of three brothers fighting at each other and it goes out of control mm-hmm. because the dad dies and Michael Shannon, this is not a big spoiler, spits on his fucking coffin <laughs> at the funeral and uh. it's a it's a family rivalry movie it's set in Arkansas it's it, I first found out about it from uh Ebert's top before when he was alive Ebert's right. top movies of that year Shotgun <laughs> Stories Indie movie, basically one of Shannon's first movies. It's great. Very nice. Very yes. nice. Uh, when Shannon was first announced to be the villain for Man of Steel, they didn't say who he was playing. So I personally thought, oh my god, this guy's going to be an amazing Lex Luthor. <laughs> 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 oh man, would have been better than who we got. But yeah. that's for another episode. That's another. Anyway, one. We'll, wait, we'll, we'll save that one. Yes. We'll table that. Uh, accompanying Zod are a lot of Phantom Zone villains who are pretty much all from the comics. So I'm going to actually save that for our Patreon for us to do a deep dive on who's who, but it is worth Feora and shit. Yeah. Feora yeah. is, is the one I'll talk about here. Feora is played by actress. Again, I'll butcher the name. I think Anche Trou. Anche Trou or something. Trau, Forgive yeah, us. Yeah. It's, I think, believe she's German. I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that too, but yeah, uh, you know, so it's it's a little bit not a, not a name that we we come across all too right, often. Right. Yes. Our apologies if we butchered yeah. or if I butchered that. Uh, but the, she is the actual original female Phantom Zone Kryptonian that Ursa from Superman Two is based on. Ursa was not part of the comics of Superman Two. Ursa is pretty much based off of Feyora. So Snyder went old school on this version of the character. However, uh, this actress was not the original actress up for this role. The original actress who was offered this was Gal Gadot. 
Whoa, really? Gal Gadot. I, okay, I think I have heard this. Fayor, yeah. I think I have heard this. Yes. However, she kind of lucked she, out on that one. She was pregnant, so oh, wow. she's like, "Ah, oh, I can't do it. It's such a shame." And then, <laughs> you know, later wow. on for the next movie, Snyder is like, "Hey, you want to be Wonder Woman?" So, like, obviously, she lucked out with the roles here because, you know, Fayor isn't just this, this movie, but Wonder Woman is her own franchise. So right. that's pretty awesome. Uh, other tidbits behind the scenes: the Kryptonian armor that you see is all CGI in yeah. the entire movie, yeah. which is interesting because it doesn't look that way. It looks so incredible. It's, it's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. But that's how the actors are able to move because if they had the real armor, they wouldn't be able to move that way. Right. So uh, that's cool. Let's see. Deep cuts here. The Kryptonian council member who is flat out murdered by Zod is a woman named Rosar. Now. As we mentioned in the Radio Superman episode, the head of the Kryptonian Council in a lot of the old adaptations was named Roseanne. Not Roseanne Barr, <laughs> but Roseanne. <laughs> she have a... R- <laughs> she takes space and Ambien and fucking ruin Tweet. her career. <laughs> That's why Zod kills her. Yeah. Uh, R-O hyphen Z-A-N. Roseanne. Roseanne was a he in uh, the original radio serial as well as the 1948 Kirk Allen serial and in the pilot of the George Reeves show. But it's kind of cool that this character who barely is in the movie for a couple seconds kind of is uh, named after that or seems to be named after that. I don't think it was a coincidence. I'm pretty sure that Snyder and company know their shit. Right. Um, one of the other, one of the Kryptonians Jor-El fights in the hallway when Zod has Jor-El taken away is a character named Tor On, who will go to go over in the Patreon. But he is played by Richard Satrone, who is the stuntman for oh, Batfleck. Good old Satrone. Yep. Yep. So again, I'll I'll go more into the other Phantom Zone criminals in, in the Patreon. There's the, we would be here for a good twenty minutes if I went to everybody uh, at this point because <laughs> that's how deep we've got. Yeah, yeah. Like Donner made up Non and Ursa in Superman two, but here they like went through like all the past Phantom Zone villains and pretty much put all, them all in here. That's cool. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the robot that Jor El confides in is named Kelex. Yes, I yeah yeah that's yeah. A, that's a callback right. That, that's, yeah, that's that based is, on something. That's based off of John Byrne's Man of Steel. Man yeah, of Steel. yeah. In the opening, Jor-El talks to two robots, Kelex and Keylor. Keylor is voiced by Rondell Reynoldson, but Kelex is voiced by Carla Gugino, who is the more famous actress, but she Why? was... I mean, right, uh, wow. wow. Yeah, she was uh, <laughs> Silk Spectre, the original Silk Spectre yes, in Watchmen, but yes. also, according, you know, Snyder, this hit the news, and I'll, this is a quick tangent, but this hit the news, everyone was like, Carlo Gugino was Snyder's original idea for Catwoman, he was going to put her in. I'm like, well, that's not really what he said in the podcast that he said that in. It was the podcast host telling him, hey, wouldn't Carla Gugino be a great Catwoman? And he was like, actually, she would be great, and here's what I would do if we ever did that. Uh, yeah. It wasn't... An idea so he thought about it, but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't get that far. It wasn't. A, it didn't seem like it was a case where it was originally written into Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice or in Justice League or in Ben Affleck's Batman movie. It was just kind of like him spitballing on a podcast. So yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. If I misheard where that was, but I did listen to the actual source of that uh, yeah. that rumor, and I think it's been completely overblown. Yeah. So <clears throat> the nerds uh, overblew something on the internet. Yes. Is that what you're telling me right now? Who knew? Yes. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Jorel calls on the dragon Haraka, who's also an invention from the movie, 
However, it may have been inspired by a page in Superman Birthright that shows a Kryptonian in the city riding on what looks like a winged flying creature. So that's probably where that came from. It's a it's a whole thing like they're they're super advanced and mm-hmm. you know it could be the case. This is me thinking too much about it, but uh, mm-hmm. they have genetically engineered um, all their animals and that's like their pet dragon. You know, like I don't know. I just I just feel like maybe that's that's in there because they're obviously into gen- genetics. Right, uh, right. So, I don't know, and it's not just a human Kryptonian thing. It's probably all life on on Krypton. So, they do succeed in doing a new type of Krypton that isn't just an ice planet, like in uh, yeah. the Donner version. That's so. one of the reasons why I appreciate yeah. it. It does feel yeah. like a fairly fleshed out world, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's it's not like a whole movie based based there. So, right. uh, I, I appreciated that uh, quite a bit. Uh, let's see. When Jor-El arrives home to the house of El Citadel, you can see in the background that the moon of Krypton is broken or somewhat shattered. Uh, Zack Snyder brought up that this was meant to imply Doomsday. He said that Doomsday broke Krypton's moon long ago. What? And that this was the original. I didn't know about this. This is the original Doomsday because Zod is just a form of Doomsday when Lex fucks around with his genetics in Batman vs Superman. But uh, he is, Lex is warned about an aberration from beforehand that was created uh, during Batman vs. Superman. So there is an original Doomsday who broke Krypton's moon in this. And that moon is was supposed to symbolize that Doomsday is out and about. And I looked this up in the comics. And I was just like, did Doomsday... I knew that Doomsday does come from ancient Kryptonians. Yeah. But I was like, did Doomsday break the moon in the comics? And the answer is uh, no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the moon Wegthor is destroyed by Jax Ur, another Kryptonian criminal who is also in this movie as he's the scientist who's like tries to operate on Superman when they capture him in the um, Krypton's moon is named Wegthor. Yes, that's incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> deep. Cuts. We get deep here on this podcast. Yes. yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, okay, in your continuity, obviously Doomsday breaks the moon, but I don't know how we were supposed to think that that was supposed to be Doomsday because he's I just putting little eggs, at, you know, Easter I know, eggs. I know, but I would have thought like, well, yeah. you've got Jack Sir as part of the criminals. Maybe he fucked up at one point. That's, you know, that's what happens in the comics. But anyway, yeah, uh, that's not necessarily criticism. I'm just saying like, I don't know how we would have known that there was Doomsday just from that broken moon. If anything, I would have just thought Jack Sir, but yeah. whatever. Um, let's see. Another thing, and this got, came up in the Christine Schreier uh, interview. Schreier, I believe. Schreier? Schreier. Schreier, yeah. okay. Sorry, Schreier. Schreier. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Joseph Campbell quote that is on Superman's S in Batman vs. Superman is also hidden in Kryptonian in uh, the Citadel in Jor-El's place. And uh, it's a quote from Joseph Campbell who is... For those who don't know, he was basically the guy who wrote The Hero of a Thousand Faces, and it's a lot of it on story structure and heroism and stuff that influenced a lot of stories today, Star Wars specifically. It was about mythology. blew my mind when I learned about it in film school. I mean, as far as... uh, So, real quick example of this, uh, you can compare Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. They follow Mm -hmm. it, I mean, more or less to a T. Like, one of the first things that the hero must do is leave home. Frodo leaves Mm -hmm. the Shire... And Luke leaves Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like these steps. There's like certain steps. It's like in, in myths that Joseph Campbell has f- kind of figured out of like what makes the best story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, you know, and uh, it's it's all there. I mean, Star Wars pretty much follows it to a, to a T, the original. Right. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. So Snyder put quotes from Campbell into the Citadel as well as on Superman's yeah. S shield in Batman versus Superman. And the quote is where we thought to stand alone. We will be with all the world. I believe. Well, wow. uh, so that's cool. I love that. That's that's cool because it's, it ties in thematically with Superman feeling like he stands alone, but he actually is inspiring all of Earth when he when he gets there. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then we do have Zod killing Jor-El, which I believe is the only time in comic book history that Zod, that Jor-El is flat out murdered uh, in um, in yeah, comic he usually just he dies usually, with the planet, right? He does die with the planet. However, uh, there is a version where this kind of happened in Smallville where uh, this is complicated because we get to season nine of Smallville, but essentially a clone of Jor-El shows up and the clone <laughs> of Zod... Um, has a bunch of his other Phantom Zone villains, and one of the Phantom Zone villains kills Jor-El. Uh, but that's a clone of Jor-El. It's not the original Jor-El. So it's, okay. it's kind of close where one of Zod's guys kills him. But anyway, I, I did feel like maybe this was not super necessary uh, right. to have Zod kill Jor-El when Jor-El was just going to die anyway. It just seemed like it made things darker, and now Lara is all alone when the planet explodes. Right. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, those are not criticized. However, before we get to the break, there is one thing that uh, will open up our, our finally, <laughs> our scores, which is that uh, a lot of people, this is less movie critics and more people online, um, were criticizing the designs here when Zod is sent to the Phantom Zone. I know what you're about to say. He was just, uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Everybody, they are encased in a cocoon that looks very phallic. Yeah. And a lot of people, either I know somebody who laughed at the theater when he saw it. I know people who called it the dildo ships to get to um, to the Phantom Zone. But uh, this, is, this is a very phallic uh, choice. And if you look at all the other designs in there, uh, the Citadel for the House of L is shaped in a very phallic shape. The uh, rocket that Kal-El is put in is very phallic with uh, very round endings at the end. So bulbous. Yes, very bulbous <laughs> endings. Uh, Snyder said that this was deliberate. He wanted to have fertility symbols all around Krypton because it is a race that abandoned genetic birthing. So I guess he wanted to have some representation of fertility in some way in this type of world. Even though they abandoned Janet, I don't know. They're not having. They're 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 hard up. They you know yes. they pent they got pent up. Uh, they're hard up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they they're pent up there, man. They don't that you know they need to get it out somehow. I guess. Yes. I yes. you know my, my the way I address this is like it looks like a dick. Who cares? Who cares? Right. It's not right. a big deal. Rockets always look like dicks anyway. Maybe <laughs> this is, looks more like a dick than usual, but right. who, a little like pretty who, much more. Yeah. I mean, look, this happens. Like, it's I actually I applaud Snyder on this decision. It's just, <laughs> right, dude. It's, it's just not a big deal to me. I mean, the the uh, HR Geegers, uh, aliens, mm-hmm. also yeah. based on phallic symbols. And I could be wrong about this, but I think that the Predator was based on the vagina. Oh, I see what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean? The mouth. So, yeah. Yeah, the mouth. So uh, you know, it's. This kind of thing just pops up. Yeah, get your giggles in, but <laughs> Snyder made some deep spaceships. Who cares? Yes, it's not a big deal. Uh, it is not a huge deal. It is somewhat distracting, but <laughs> it's not. Rockets it's not, fuck the sky. We send those space dicks out to other planets to <laughs> p- 
depopulate them. We're fucking yes. other, we're fucking the solar system. You're right. You're um, right. You know, I, I don't, don't think know. that's what he meant when he put. No, that in. it's not. But it is kind of funny how it works out like that. It is I, funny. Yeah. I just think it's. I don't know. I know. Okay, you said it was distracting. It's just. I don't know. It doesn't bother me that much. It is. It is distracting, but I'm not saying that it's necessarily. A, it's, it's. It's to me. It's like the rubber nipples in the Schumacher film. We're just like, no, it's not necessary. Yes, they can be distracting. Do I think does that? Do I think that makes it a bad moment of the movie when I see them? No, you know, like it's, nipples are on the main character though, which like okay, whatever. But but this is <laughs> this is really a throwaway. Yeah, but it's, it's also a, a shot of them go up and like design. Yeah, but in the end, it's just a design. Like yeah. in terms of the function of it is simply to take them to the Phantom Zone, and then the function for Batman's suit is to protect them. So it's like okay, well, whatever. Um, the best Protect opinion I nipples. <laughs> the best opinion I heard about the nipples was that well maybe it didn't make sense with Val Kilmer but George Clooney was going up against Mr. Freeze and it was pretty fucking cold so <laughs> straight through the suit. <laughs> straight uh, through the suit. But anyway, in terms of Snyder versus critics, it looks like uh, we're siding with Snyder on this one so far. So that's Snyder one, critics zero, and I think that takes us to the break. So when we get back, we will now talk about the main character. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Superman's in this. Just as Snyder spent 30 minutes on Krypton, so Please. did we. <laughs> yes, catch you after the break. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The, the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's Shh. arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Scott Summers, and I'm just wondering, Vision, how do you and Wanda have sex? Well, Mr. Summers, it's a very complicated process here. Don't you just take out your mechanical pee-pee and then make sweet, sweet, sensual love to Wanda? You would think it would be like that, but I'm afraid there's a bit more to it. Like, with your powers? That is actually part of it. That's part of the foreplay, my friend. Wow. I mean... You should try it sometime. I know what you're talking about, but, uh, back to how you have sex, because that's what I talk about. So... Well, I can say Wanda and I never have to do any shopping at, uh, Adam and Eve, because we can just conjure it out of thin air. Wow. What kind of toys do you make? Well, for her, it's the usual stuff, you know, the dildos and the vibrator, but for me, I require some more, you know, heavy-duty stuff. I need some... WD-40, some new lug nuts, every now and then a literal screw. Okay, so I know I'm getting extremely, extremely personal here. For some reason, I don't mind. We did already see this in Deadpool, the first movie, so I'm just going to go there. You like to uh, turn the tables, as it were. Let's put it that way. I guess so. You see, if you remove any part of me... Any part of me could be an orifice. Wow. Okay. Uh, the whole mansion wants to know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, don't, I'm just a messenger, okay? I mean, I think probably one of the super hearing fucks is listening right now. So, uh, you know, it's not my fault this, uh, if this leaves this room, okay? So don't blame me. Oh, I'm sure Professor Charles Xavier is listening to this very conversation. Yeah, the bald fuck. Uh, anyway, 
Oh, you're bald too. Sorry, man. It's okay in my human form. I'm not. Oh, true. Okay. Um, loved you in a night's tale. Anyway, so uh, okay, so you you like to turn things around a bit. I like that. It's progressive. You know, we're all about pro- being progressive here at the School for Gifted Youngsters. Are you asking me these, Mr. Summers, because you and uh, Miss Jean Grey are finding things going stale? You know, you do have quite the brain chip or whatever. Uh, that is true. We've ordered a, a, a motherfucking shitload from adamandeve.com and, you know... Little Cyclops is just not feeling the same way as he used to. I'm sure it doesn't help that she's died and come back to life about 600 times. Well, you know, our storylines are convoluted, but yes. So, uh, actually, might try that out. I'll see what kind of lug nuts I can put up there. Best of luck with that. Though, I may advise, you do not have the same healing powers as Mr. Logan. That's true. Just an FYI. That's true. I'll, uh, I'll start small and work myself up from there. This has been kind of a fruitful and not weird uh, and overly toxic conversation, I think, Vision. We truly are progressive here at the mansion. That's very good to hear. Now I know exactly how normal human males talk. Yes, this is exactly... And what they talk about. You're right about that, Vision. This is exactly how we all talk. Meanwhile, at the boss's office the next day, Vision approaches his boss. Mr. Hart, can I tell you about how I was lug-nutted the other night by my wife? Jeez, Vision. I was talking about the stupid-ass commies and you bring up this bullshit. But I thought that's how normal humans talk. Well, I'm interested in it too, but... All right, then. I'll close the door. But that's not how people talk around here, okay? But yes, I'm also interested. (laughs) Understood. Let me just close the door here and I'll tell you exactly what you'll need to know. All right, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news... Plus, we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superherostuffpod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. And you're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And welcome back, and we are out of Krypton and into, well, we're not quite in Smallville, but we are back on Earth now <laughs> yes. in uh, Man of Steel, and we get our introduction to Clark Kent. So, before the break, we were at Snyder 1, Critics at 0. Let's see how we do with a couple of the other things that we have coming up. This Slide. took me out of it when I saw the movie, because I was like, oh, he's already, we're not doing any kids scenes trip. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they go back to it, but I was—I yeah. thought we were going to go more chronological. I remember being in the theater and being like, oh, okay, so we're going straight there. By the yeah. way, um, Ralph Garman hated this. He, he, called <laughs> really? him, he called him, Ralph Garman is Kevin Smith's co-host on Hollywood Babylon, yeah. uh, another, a, a famous, uh, you know, uh, nerd podcast. And he was, he was like, uh, he's hobo Superman, hobo Superman. And I was just like, dude, mm. you must not be familiar with. Uh, what's it? Man of Steel. The no birthright. 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 Does this. Well, the Man of Steel. Burns Man of Steel also brings this up as well. Where right? Yeah. Martha opens yeah, there you the go. scrapbook and there's full of like articles on this stuff. We just never saw it, but that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Yeah. Right. So, Come on. I mean, I I like I like a traveling vagabond Superman. That's kind of right, what I would do. Yeah. Where he's trying uh, to at least sort of figure out where his purpose in the world is. I, I can kind of understand it. Maybe one of the things that threw him off was that it didn't seem like he had much of a purpose yet. Uh, in that, but it's 
you know, it's not like it's not quite like Batman Begins where he was traveling the world to specifically get training in the criminal mind. It was kind of no. like he's just kind of wandering for a bit. I don't know if I hated it. It is part of the comics, you know. Um, uh, but I, I do. Part of me is I, I agree with you, Andrew, in terms of like it did kind of throw me off where it was like, oh, like where's the small like how come? Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't. And oh, part we're of already there. Which I know seems hypocritical because it's like, well, I just criticized Krypton being for 20 minutes just like any other adaptation. Why would I want it to follow the same structure? But I think like the heart of the character is very much in him growing up in Smallville. The the, the Kents play a huge role, as we saw in the movie. We just it's Again, it, we do get to those scenes, though. It's just not quite in the order that we thought. Right. Uh, but, I mean, again, if somebody were to recut this and we started with the fishing trip and the oil rig sequence, you'd get a crackerjack action sequence in the beginning. <laughs> and then <laughs> some Crackerjack, baby! So, uh, but anyway, on this fishing trip, we finally meet... You get Cabell's chest. We get Chavel's luscious it's just, chest here. Just start out <laughs> with that shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cavill was not the only actor to be up for Superman. Do you know who the other candidate was? Oh man, I should know this. Um, no idea. Joe Manganiello. Oh man, you know I would have liked for Manganiello to get that. He would have been that good been too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who went on to become Deathstroke? So we have already. I guess Snyder takes care of his people well because. This is our third instance of casting. If you're in a Snyder stable, you're taken care of. Yeah, Connie Nielsen couldn't be Superman's mom, but became Wonder Woman's mom. Gal Gadot couldn't be Feyora, but became Wonder Woman. Joe Manganiello couldn't be Superman, but he ended up as Deathstroke. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. Affleck versus Manganiello, Deathstroke, HBO Max movie. Let's make it. We will cover what could have been as well as all the instances in the comics where Batman fights Deathstroke that they could have drawn off of. So that's an upcoming deep dive for you Batfleck fans who want the the Batman. I definitely want to see something like that happen if Bat you know if Ben I called him Batfleck. If Ben Affleck is down for it. Um, I'm but, sure he would be, especially now that he sees that, that he actually did get a lot of love. Yeah. You know hopefully, what I mean? It hopefully. wasn't like it wasn't like Daredevil was like maybe stay away. Like people <laughs> right. like like years later people are like, We liked you Batfleck. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I think a lot of it was the love for Zach in bringing him to this yeah, role. So yeah. who knows? Uh, but anyway, Joe Manganiello had a 90-minute meeting with Zach and uh, Debbie Snyder. However, True Blood uh, did not let him go. God, these fucking contracts. <clears throat> they even called the costume department at True Blood to get his measurements so that they could fit him in the suit. But damn man, he would have been good. Didn't work out. He would have been. It would have definitely have been a different time. Not like you know, Cavill is obviously you know looks like Superman and everything. He looks great in the suit. But I think there's something different about seeing Manganiello where it's just like, oh, this guy is. It's a different look from the like Cavill's still kind of in the the Chris Reeve mode uh, mold, I would say. And Manganiello is kind of his own. Manganiello is, you know. uh, judging from his last name, Italian American. It's a little bit, you know, it's it's a yeah. slightly different, you know, white person look than than Cavill. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. There is a lot of authentic authenticity to the sequence. The crab fishing boat he's on is named the Debbie Sue, uh, and it's an actual crab fishing boat. Uh, <laughs> and I think That's he cool. is act- with real fishermen. Uh, on that they're probably the ones of lines are probably actors but other people around are probably uh, real fishermen and yeah. uh, when he goes to rescue the guys in the oil rig those are real coast guard pilots Sweet. Uh, 
and and it's an actual helicopter takeoff that wasn't all CGI or anything like that. Obviously, him you know holding up the the building was not really Cavill and uh, <laughs> holding up a building. That's there was Superman involved. <laughs> but, Superman really holding it up. Uh, let's see. Zach really wanted this image of shirtless, bearded Clark just in flames and everything. Uh, that image is actually in Adventures of Superman number 524 from 1995 uh, in the arc, The Death of, not Superman, but The Death of Clark Kent was the name of the arc. And uh, Clark at one point goes into hiding as a lumberjack until a fire sort of forces him to take action. And then there's an image of him with a beard and uh, shirtless in like the middle of a fire and stuff. So Take that, uh, Garmin. Yeah. (laughs) Garmin hated the beard and everything. It's just like, dude, I, I think he... He knows a lot about Batman, especially Batman 66. He's an expert with that. Yeah. When it comes to Superman, he was, he hated that. It seems like he'd only really seen the Reeves and and Reeves stuff. So. Yeah, um, probably. I don't know. But yeah, Yeah. this this was mostly pretty good scene, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, again, it's Superman saving people. And I kind of, I was going to save this for another thing, but like Superman does save people in this movie. Like, yeah. You can't say that this guy doesn't care about saving people. He's he's saving people left and right once you he you hates watch the movie. Semi truck drivers that are jerks. Well, we'll get into other that. Other than that. <laughs> other than that. Uh let's see. Yeah. Superman uh well, he's not Superman yet, but Clark ends up in the water and has a flashback while he's in the water surrounded by whales. And when we see him again, he resurfaces and a lot of people speculate that maybe Jason Momoa's Aquaman rescued him or took him to safety somewhere or whatever. Uh, this possible, uh, but I mean, that's just such fan speculation shit, you know? Zach, it's just like... Snyder does comment on this. Okay. <laughs> he said, quote, did Aquaman save Superman? I don't know. And he's sort of just in a sort of teasing way to the, the audience. So I don't know if he's just playing with the fans or... I feel like if there was an opportunity to reveal that, it's it's in the Snyder cut, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, I know who you are. Right, uh, right. You were in the middle of the ocean after the oil rig went. Like, uh, if you want to do that, but I don't think it's necessary at he all. He whispered, like, I, "My man," to him. <laughs> while I, was in the, I was in the ocean. <laughs> He's like Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> huh? How do you know my name? <laughs> yes. Um, we do have flashbacks while he's in the ocean to him being an outcast at school, specifically his powers acting up, and he experiences his X-ray vision. And sort is this of when sees. he's reading Plato's Republic? And it's actually later. Oh yeah, it's uh, a later. When he's scene, just yeah. like he's just a little kid and he's seeing oh, X-ray yeah. vision, and his yeah. mom has to show up. So uh, Jeff yeah. Johns' secret secret origin yeah. by Jeff Johns and drawn by Gary Frank has a similar scene of him seeing his X-ray vision and everything. And uh, we cut back to present day. Clark is now like half naked and resurfaces. And here's where we get to something that was criticized by Superman fans: is that he finds himself among uh, basically laundry that's been hung up and he sort of takes the clothes for himself and he sort of steals the clothes so you know practically wise he can't just walk around shirtless in this town however this is superman stealing clothes off of people so where do you fall in terms of how that could have been handled he's still kind of in vagabond mode so mm-hmm. it's not great maybe they should have had a shot it, like a, one quick shot of him leaving money on there, I was I was steps. thinking about that. Yeah, it's yeah. very easily remedied. But or if uh, he doesn't ha- if he doesn't have you know money because he just got soaked, maybe like some food, like a basket of food or something. Like I picture fish, all the fish he just talked to. <laughs> yes. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was around. Momo is like not my man. God damn it. <laughs> 
my friends. I, I was picturing a scene where like they they find the clothes are gone and they they turn around but then you see like a basket of like fruit that wasn't there before at the doorstep and then you hear the you know the zimmer done done da, 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 yeah you know. you know I know I said I wouldn't say this phrase but that would have been better um, <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's, I mean it's a minor gripe it's very minor but it morals is, but you know whatever yeah it's probably well it, it's one out of many criticisms I think of the movie in terms of where. Clark's morals are and how Superman should or should not act, which is par for the course when it comes to an adaptation of such a popular superhero. But I think it's kind of a risk. I'm saying it's kind of a risk when you have, you know, all American Boy Scout Superman basically stealing clothes and then not really going into any consequence that comes after or any lesson, really. Because I think it would be more interesting if he, if there are points where he learns from it you know, uh, or learn something yeah. that influences him yeah. becoming Superman later on so that they're, because otherwise it feels a little distracting, at least to, maybe not to the average moviegoer who doesn't really know uh, a lot of the mythos, but to, to the comic book fans, at least it feels As a paragon of moral virtue and somebody yeah. that's always morally right, but I, I sort of give it a pass, especially compared to everything else in the movie. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I know I said it before, but it's just vagabond mode, man. It's it's this is like <laughs> right. This is birthright Superman kind of. Maybe he doesn't do that in that comic, but I don't think he does. No. Uh, I mean, yeah, a quick shot of some remedy, rem- him <laughs> riveting that would have been uh, would have been appreciated, but uh, they didn't do it. Um, I a miserable detail about this scene um, <laughs> okay. is obviously any shirtless scene takes a lot of preparation. Um, yes, Cavill does not always look like that uh there were you know there was a lot of news about the witcher and him like fa- uh, fasting for three days only having water um for his tub scene and then you dehydrate yeah yeah you're he dehydrated like insane amount of working out for this scene he says he did no steroids and um when when they were finally done with this scene and they called cut snyder had a bowl of ice cream ready for him <laughs> okay yeah. No, so I mean, it was it was uh, obviously a lot of work. Anytime you see a dude like that shirt, I mean, women too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody, anybody that's like, well, women generally aren't getting shirtless. Anyway, I'm back well, myself bikini into, shots, into a yeah. corner. B- bikini shots and shit. There's yeah. so so much work for that one there is. scene. And there's there's a um uh, on the behind the scenes for Thor, <laughs> for the first one. Um, he they. Uh, they ask uh, I don't know if they even planned it well they might have planned it but they ask what's his name um, Hemsworth Hemsworth uh, you know uh, we, we might want you shirtless for this scene and then they said are you okay with it and he says his response was apparently I've been working up for nine months mate I'm, I'm, ready, to, <laughs> I'm ready to show this off <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm showing this off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, there is a lot of prep that goes into it, and it's hell for not eating for three days and yeah. dehydrating and everything, just so that uh, you know the the skin, the the muscles basically show through the skin more. So that's yeah. kind of yeah. what I was talking about. But yeah, I mean, it's Cavill worked his ass off on, on yeah. this, and it shows. And uh, you know, especially. I think it's especially inspiring given that when he was growing up, he was overweight. And I don't think we covered this in the podcast. Fat Cavill. Fat Cavill was his nickname among kids um, at the time. So for him to turn around from that to being basically on 
you know, a ton of women's, you know, hottest guy alive list uh, during these times is a huge, you know, step for him, I'm sure, but also just inspiration for those who, you know, are dealing with those sort of issues when they're growing up. So, yeah, he's a, he's a gamer. I mean, he was a fat mm-hmm. nerd, nerdy gamer, and now he's like hunk gamer dude. Mm-hmm. He's like posting pictures of him assembling his PC setup and shit, yes. but still looking <laughs> like that. It's yeah. like there's these memes like he truly is the chosen one. <laughs> well, know? he and Manganiello. Manganiello is a huge Dungeons and Dragons. That's guy. the thing I love that about <laughs> these guys. Like Manganiello is so insane about Dungeons and Dragons. It's so cool. It's like, you know, the 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 the, the nerdy, um, you know, image of you know stereotype is you know it's like it's a stereotype. It's not true across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. it's it's that. Remember that image where there was the bodybuilder being like, "I don't play Dungeons and Dragons," and then Manganiello, who looks even more ripped and buff than the other guy, is <laughs> like, "I do." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he told Manganiello. He's, yeah, he, God, he, you know, it's not just he's, it's not uh, fake. It's real. Like I, yeah, you can yeah, tell. Both, like he's super into that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like like Affleck may be, you know, behind the scenes a beer drinking Boston dude who just likes to party, but Cavill and Manganiello definitely seem like they're legit nerds and, and everything, and it's fantastic. I well, think. Affleck it's, does seem to really like Frank Miller comics. Well, he do, he does like sure. it, but but yeah. I, I'm saying like I don't think he's as big of a nerd. He's not know? as he's, nerdy. He's, yeah, he's very much you know on different talk shows talking about football and politics and stuff you know like it's it's yeah. it's you don't really see him guest starring on a lot of geek shows unless it's about a role that he played yeah so yeah uh let's see so when it comes to snyder versus critics on this whole stealing clothes thing i'm, I'm going with critics because i feel like i get what they're talking about and i had that i we kind of both had that idea where of how that could have been glossed over more yeah okay so i have to vote now uh yes uh, we Man. well last time we had Wolfie when we were doing the Dark Knight stuff, so we kind of had a tiebreaker. But over here, if we disagree, then uh, I'm maybe gonna that's just a wash. I'm gonna go with credits. I know I, I it's 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 a small thing, but mm-hmm. it, it, since it could have been remedied with one quick shot or two uh, yeah. at the same location, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just not. It could have been. Yeah, I, I'll right. go with credits. Vote vote for critics. Snyder won, critics won. I would say that if you and I disagree, then maybe it's just a complete wash where it doesn't okay. go to either that way. Because okay. I'm just like, maybe point goes to both, but then I'm just like, doesn't that mean that when we agree that it should be two? So Mulligan. We'll yeah, we'll just we'll just make that a wash. But anyway. Without a do-over. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's see. We get another flashback with Clark on a school bus, and this is where we get the infamous... <laughs> Dick Phrase. Splash, baby. Dick Splash. <laughs> something no one has ever called anybody ever. Goyer, what's going on David with Goyer. the dialogue, man? <laughs> so Dick Splash. Clark is called Dick Splash by the character Pete Ross, who is a bully in this uh, continuity. However, Pete Ross is Clark Kent's best friend in Smallville. Dipshit would have been way better and more natural. Yes, it would have been. It would have been. Uh, so Pete Ross has an arc in this movie where he started out as a bully, but then Clark rescued him, and then he sort of looked out for him and sort of covered up that he was, you know, he had these powers and stuff after that. So he's saving uh, people, though, baby. This yeah, is exactly. Ultimately, a good scene. Yeah, uh, Clark saving the bus after crashes off a bridge feels a little bit rem- rem- little reminiscent of the Smallville pilot where. Uh, Clark rescues a car that goes over the bridge in a similar way and pulls out the, the driver. And the driver in Smallville 
is Lex Luthor, and that's how they meet for the first time. Uh, you know, you know, but, you know, yeah. a horror fans. Uh, you know, I'm stereotyping here. I know, but right. just just to make a quick point, you know, love blood, love gore. Obviously, you, one can assume at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, genre conventions. For me, I mean, I love all those things too. But right. the genre conventions of a superhero picking up a car, I never get tired oh. of it. <laughs> never get tired of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's, I, I, it's just one of those things. You know, it's a, it's a common object we all know, and it's all very heavy. Superman's mm-hmm. first comic ever, action comics, picking up a car. It's just part of the DNA. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan, and I, I'm sure most people are, but I just, you know, it's one of those things. Never get tired yep. of it. Never. Yep. Exactly. So it's 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 a great sequence just to show that Clark was had the idea to use his powers to save people from the beginning, which is important. Uh, also in the bu- on the bus is Lana Lang, uh, mm-hmm. who in yeah. the comics is very much you know Clark's you know girlfriend growing up. And there was Lana Lang, Lois Lane. You know they just kind of took House the same of L. Yes, they really like <laughs> Lex Luthor. What's going on here? I think yeah. I read that that's just kind of a coincidence, and just they just snowballed so, yeah. from there. It doesn't really yeah. mean much. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lana here is Lana in the comics is usually a white redhead girl. However, it looks like they also were influenced by the show Smallville, where Lana is brunette and not fully white. Kristen Crook in the show is uh, half white and half Asian. Uh, Jaden Gold, I think, is the name of the actress who plays young Lana Lang. Uh, I believe she's Native American. Oh, cool. Uh, so, not tra- right. again, not traditionally uh, white or redhead as well. So, that's more we need the, the We need the Black Panther of Native American indigenous peoples, uh, whatever... I'm still trying to get the correct terminology. I, I but. doubt it's going to be Apache Chief from Super Friends. I just have a <laughs> feeling that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, for something like that, you know, something culturally appropriate. Him with versus Egg Foo. Yeah, <laughs> coming soon from D.C. We yeah. think it's a good idea. We, we, we are the D.C. delegation. <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, we meet the Kents for the first time. Well, not Martha Kent, but Jonathan Kent for the first time when we get back to the farm. Uh, apparently, the Kent farm, the location in real life, is very much close to a house that I think, according to Snyder, Snyder said that he found Bruce Wayne's house, quote-unquote, close to Kent, the Kent farm in real life. And I think what he means by that is he, he saw a house that inspired the look of Bruce Wayne's place in Batman versus Superman and justice league, mm-hmm. uh, close to the Kent farm location. So they that's could be physically cool. close together in real life, but in the movie universe, they're separate. Yeah, totally separate exactly. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause he, he's in Gotham. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's yeah. see. Pete Ross's mom is reporting about, uh, you know, what Pete Saul Clark did. And they also described the quote unquote, the Fordham boy says this, uh, the Fordham boy is in reference to Whitney Fordham who is also from the TV show Smallville. He was Lana Lang's boyfriend in the first season. Okay. So, again, there's a lot of Smallville influence. There's a lot of Dick Donner. There's a lot of modern comic stuff in this movie. I was unaware of all that. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, uh, when Jonathan goes out to talk to Clark, Clark is hanging out at the Kent Farm truck, and apparently that same truck is in all three of Snyder's DC movies, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League, the Snyder cut, at least. Is it a Ford uh, Model T? I don't know what it is, but yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Snyder uh, owns that either for that to show Probably up he owns it, yeah. <clears throat> so, and then we get to our last and final Snyder versus Critics choice 
on something that was somewhat controversial even when it was in the trailer which is when Clark's like what was I supposed to do just let them die maybe Kevin Costner yeah Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent was like maybe I tried to defend that for a while but then that's one of the things I gave up on I just I just can't well you know it being part of the Superman DNA and learning about Superman so much since then he doesn't say yes, but it's still like he gets his morals from these people. Does, you know, that's a bar, big part of it. But he, he, this is what's funny because I'm the reverse. When I first heard it, I was like, eh, I don't know if I like that. And then when I rewatched the scene, I was like, you know what? It's better than, yeah, you're right. He's, he, at least he doesn't say yes, you should have let the kids die. Uh, but it also makes sense from the perspective of Jonathan Kent is a human being who doesn't really know what the right answer is like it's it's like i how there's no guide like the uh, people joke there's no guidebook to parenting but there's certainly no guidebook to parenting a kid with superpowers right you know so it's like i feel like the maybe encapsulates the feeling of uh, I don't know because it's a dilemma. It's, it feels bad either way. Either you rescue the kids and you expose yourself or you don't rescue the kids and you let the kids die. Like it's, it's just like I don't really know. I think maybe maybe the answer could have – maybe the better line would have been like, I, honestly, Clark, I don't know. Maybe that's what it, it could have been. That would have been better. It would accomplish the same thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, to, to me, I'm like, I, that doesn't mean that Jonathan Kent's an asshole. It just, no, it doesn't mean he's an asshole. You know, it's just – It just – yeah. It's not writ- – it's just – it's not what you want to hear really in a Superman movie, but it's not, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about it. Yeah. So I kind of feel like this one's going to be a wash because we sort of reverse positions from originally because you defended it, but now you're just like, eh, I don't know. And I originally was like, eh, I don't know, but now I'm kind of defending it. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Though I guess we both sort of agree that the better line would have been just him admitting he doesn't know. Yeah, I, yeah. So I vote for critics on this one. Okay. Uh, I guess this is going to be a wash then, because I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I want to. Like, yes, that would have been a better line, but I don't think the maybe necessarily kills it for me personally. Okay. Which again is yeah, weird because it's not what I judge said it on the, the on, on what's in there. Yeah, I got to judge what's in there as opposed to just like this would have been better. Yeah. Uh, on it, so like that didn't throw me off as much as him stealing the clothes, for me personally. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, so there we have it. We have that Snyder at one and critics at one. So it's a tie, guys, which means that we're <laughs> going to... There's definitely going to be a lot more opportunities next time. Obviously, we had to get through Krypton, and the Krypton stuff wasn't really as heavily criticized except for the uh, the, phallus, the phallic part. But uh, <laughs> People just went nuts over that. I, just, I always thought that was so silly, man, <laughs> yes. for me personally. Like, you know, other, yeah. other stuff like neck snap and all that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, let's talk there's about that. a lot that. of other not, stuff, yeah. Not about these dick spaceships. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is superhero stuff you should know. Boom, baby. All right. So a few quick, so a few quick fan comments to go over. One was on, uh, one was on our Batman training timeline where a user named the Birdman dude, uh, (laughs) saw that we had over 1000 views, but (laughs) there was like only one other comment other than his. And he's like, wow, no one commented. I'm like, yes, I know Birdman, dude. (laughs) Invite your other friends. (laughs) Say something about me. (laughs) Tell do us a favor. Tell all your friends about us. (laughs) Cause like, seriously, I went through all that work for the time training timeline thing and people would enjoy it. You know, I know super Inframan, One of our fans was a huge fan uh, of that. And we've gotten some good comments 
you know, privately through that, but uh, not a lot on the internet, uh, at least uh, on the YouTube page for that. But it is a, it seems to be a popular episode, though. Yeah. Which one is it again? Uh, the training timeline. Oh yeah, yeah. For the Batman, the most, yeah, yeah. One of the most popular ones. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and now it's been updated since we covered Soul of the Dragon. So uh, slightly updated because there's only one training instance, but still. Uh, so yeah, thank yeah. you for at least being one of those people to comment. Uh, you should release. I'm, I'm I'm putting you to this now. But <laughs> sorry to drop this on you, but you should release like a whole diagram of this timeline. Oh my god. I I, sh I should I have it all written out. I should just put it in like a more visually arresting. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it on the website or something, but that'll be cool. It could just be like Bruce trains here with this person, trains here yeah. with this person, this time to this time. You, you know, mean like on a map or something? On a, on a, like an actual timeline like you know oh, from, I see. from past to present. Yeah. Uh, some version in, in that way. Yeah, a little bit more visual. Okay. That'd be cool. I think that'd be cool. Uh, so that's cool. Thank you, Birdman, dude. Uh, and yes, tell all your <laughs> friends you, about Birdman, us. Thank you, Birdman, dude. Next is X-Men Fan 95, who made a comment on nice. our old Hot Package episode uh, video oh. about the X-Men Danger Room. Uh, X-Men Fan 95 says, quote, I'm doing my Danger Room inspired by the animated series. So I guess uh, this nice. X-Men fan is creating their own diorama. Uh, that's awesome. Let us know how it goes. You can feel free to send us the pictures over uh, at uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com to let us know what, uh, how that turned out. We do want to do X-Men episodes eventually, but yes, uh, you know we just got a few get to get to a few things before then. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. X-Men doesn't have a major release uh, this year <laughs> like uh, Snyder does, so uh, we'll just have to new, wait for a bit. They had New Mutants, which I have not seen. <laughs> That's a few I that I, don't I haven't see. either. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then last one is our friend Walter the Wobot who commented on our Wonder Woman 84 saying, quote, watching you guys talk about Wonder Woman 84 is more enjoyable than watching the actual movie by that. a large margin, large <laughs> yes. and capitalized in capital yeah. letters. So thank you, Walter. Thank you for turning, tuning in. And at least we got to entertain you and feel that the Wonder Woman 84 experience was worth it just so you could hear our take yeah. on it. <laughs> so Yes. Thank you for the comment again, Walter. Thank you That's very awesome. much. All right. Yeah. Over to you, Andrew. Okay, so let's all thank all together <laughs> SDCC <laughs> Productions, Robert Schumann, Kuki Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, E&H, Dan D., Leom O., Super Inframan, and Douglas Beep. Those are Woo. our Patreon supporters and other supporters. Uh, speaking of Patreon, we're at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Uh, we have the $1 tier and the $5 tier. $1 tier gets you the shout-out. $5 tier gets you a whole other show every Friday. Um, cancel any time. Uh, then uh, we have Superhouse merch, a lot of it drawn by Wolfie. Uh, the Ben Man mm -hmm. and the Indeed Wizard have, uh, you know, they have merch at superhousepod.redbubble.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be great. And uh, uh, send us a phone bumper, please. We need—we actually do need some new ones. Uh, no offense to everybody that sent them. Mm -hmm. A thousand thanks to everybody that's already sent us one, made us one. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But it'd be cool to get some new ones in. So, uh, yeah, if you could use your voice recorder app, record a little something, and then send that to uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com, and then you can be on the show, usually in that middle section there. If we get more and more... We might put them in different locations, maybe, depending mm -hmm. on how we break up the show. Some podcasts like kind of like break up their show more than we do. Um, yeah. And not just ads. 
like sometimes just like music here or music here. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking about all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. I have my other more Japan culture, Japan language, Japan video games centric YouTube channel. Just search for Thunderwolf Lives on there. It's youtube.com slash user slash Thunderwolf Lives. And thunderwolflives.com is my uh, portfolio website and all that. Take a look there if you want as well. And if you're not on YouTube, check, in, check us out on YouTube. Uh, uh, we're youtube.com slash user slash superhero stuff pod. Um, and I think that's it for me, Ben. Nice. You can follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod, as well as Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod. You can also follow me on Instagram at BenWanRider. And you can also follow my cat, my son, uh, Alfie. <laughs> Alfie, my is son. A, Alfie is Alfie. a... Alfie is my ginger cat who wears a bow tie because he's Alfred Pennyworth. So you can follow him at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Uh, he's just starting out, so there's not a lot of posts as of this recording, but there'll probably be more by the time that this is released uh, ginger if you guys cats. like cats not yes. many people know about this but ginger cats unlike humans do have souls so. yes they do <laughs> uh, also you can yeah there's Andrew Andrew was holding up the Man of Steel stuff uh, my website is up and running and so you guys can check me out at benwanrider.com where I list out different script stuff uh, as well and I should have at least by the time of this release uh, my Gotham spec up for anybody who That'd was a fan of the show who wants to read my take on things so check it out and uh, let me know what you think in by commenting on one of our YouTube videos and I think that is pretty much it for me this is Andrew signing off dick spaceships dick splash <laughs> 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 <laughs>